Taking the discussion from 0 to 100 in seconds. Radio 111 presents Southern California's talk about cars and trucks. It's all revved up with Todd Bianco. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, I'm kind of disappointed I'm not in the Coachella Valley today because this is the uh, annual casual concourse, uh, which is held by great autos of yesteryear. Uh, it's at the Desert Princess Country Club on Landau Boulevard in, in Cathedral City, and it's always fun to go there and sing all, you know, see all the cars that the club members have, and you know, it's it's a beautiful day there, and walk around and see all the various cars. Uh, it goes from 10 a.m. to 2:30 p, uh, p.m. today. Uh, you can still listen to us at Radio 111. You just go to your uh, tune-in app on your phone, and you can find us under Radio 111, and you can listen on your headphones or in your car. Uh, so if you're walking around Casual Concourse, give us a listen. Uh, also, you can call us now at 760-677-0111 by voice or 760-699-0202 for text. For voice, again, at 760-677-0111. Well, let's get into some uh, some news first. There's also, you know, there's always lots of it lately. Uh, I, I've talked about this in the past, but there's this company called Lordstown Motors, Motors that is going to be making supposedly an electric pickup truck. And their shtick is that they've got a, a motor in every hub of the wheel. So there's actually a motor inside the hub at each four corner, you know, at each wheel. Um, but they're having a little problem with the being a going concern right now, even though they had gone public using a special purpose acquisition corporation. Um, I don't think they have enough cash. They were supposed to start production in September. And guess what? They haven't done it. So this is not a surprise. However, they did surprise us with something else is that they, say that they have an agreement. Now, this is a, an agreement. Nothing's actually been signed or happened yet. But they have an agreement with Foxconn, which is the Taiwanese maker of the iPhone. Uh, and they've supposedly agreed to buy uh, the factory there, Lordstown Motors plant, for $230 million plus $50 million of common stock in Lordstown Motors. And following the closing of this transaction, which of course hasn't happened yet, Lordstown plans to negotiate another deal that will see Foxconn manufacture their endurance pickup truck under contract. At least Fo you know, Foxconn has the capital to do this, and they're certainly big enough. Uh, and they have the manufacturing expertise, although they've never applied it to something as complex, uh, as, you know, as, as big as a, you know, a motor vehicle. Uh, it's, you know, but only going to take up a certain, you know, small portion of the factory. It's a gigantic factory that they bought from GM. Uh, but after this closure, supposedly, uh, Fisker announced that they will consider a contract with Foxconn to build what they call an affordable SUV in the United States, obviously, at Lordstown Motors, if this goes through by late 2024. Uh, Fisker says the code name is Project Pair. Uh, this affordable SUV will be a modified version of a Foxconn-developed modular EV platform for the project. Project Pair would need its own production line. Obviously, there's plenty of room for it. Uh, to cover costs, Fisker and Foxconn would share the investment and in profits. 
Fisker and Lordstown would be able to collaborate in some areas. Um, you know, like uh, they could you know, share paint booths and uh, logistics to get things to, uh, you know, to the factory. Uh, but Fisker is looking to build as many as 250,000 units annually uh, for global sales. That's a joke because Fisker hasn't had anything manufactured yet. They'd like to think that's the case. So these are good press releases for them. Um, nothing's happened yet, but it is an interesting development. Uh, Genesis, which is the luxury division of uh, Hyundai and Kia, took the wraps off the 2023 GV60, uh, which is their electric crossover. It's the sister to the uh, Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Kia EV6, uh, but it promises more luxury than the uh, more mainstream models. The, the base rear drive motor, uh, you know, one drive, one motor model makes 225 horsepower and 285 pound-feet of torque, while the dual motor all-wheel drive model has 314 horsepower and 446 pound-feet of torque. Genesis will offer a performance dual motor model as well uh, with uh, 429 horsepower and 446 uh, pound-feet of torque with a claimed 0 to 60 time of 4 seconds. Uh, only the larger 77.4 kilowatt-hour battery will be offered with ranges of up to 280 miles. Uh, new tech features in the car will be a facial recognition software that can unlock and start the car without a key when combine, combined with fingerprint readers on the door and dashboard of the car. Kind of seems like overkill when you can unlock your iPhone just by looking at it. You don't have to have your fingerprint on it as well. Uh, the shifter is awesome, though. I mean, this is a really cool thing. It looks like a crystal ball, and it kind of lights up in this green color. And uh, we know when it's in park, that's what you see. But when you put it into, uh, you know, drive, it, the thing, you know, flips over, and then you can see where it has uh, standard reverse, neutral, and drive um, a rotation on this, you know, on the center uh, of this uh, this ball, I guess. It's, anyway, you push park and it flips back over to the uh, cool looking crystal ball. So it's a it's a good gimmick if nothing else. It's, it's you know one of those ooh 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 ah features. Um, Elon Musk was asked uh, his thoughts about the Biden administration and its complete snub of Tesla. Um, Musk did let it go because he didn't hold back, obviously. He said that the Biden White House was biased in appearance uh, in an appearance at the Code Conference, which is where Musk was being interviewed. Uh, Tesla was not invited to the EV summit held by the White House, which was attended by Ford, GM, and Stellantis and the UAW. Uh, and including the uh, signing of an executive order formalizing the automaker's commitment to achieve 50% of, of sales of EVs and uh, plug-in hybrids uh, and fuel cells, of hydrogen fuel cells by 2030. Tesla, um, which is the undisputed leader in EVs, wasn't mentioned once. It's also, by the way, making all of its cars in the United States. <laughs> he says it's not the friendliest administration. He seems to think that it's controlled by the unions as far as he could tell. Uh, it should be noted that Tesla not only pays much more than the UAW employees get, but it also grants stock options to its employees, which are worth a lot of money. And I do mean a lot of money. 
So during Tesla's annual uh, shareholder meeting this week, uh, Elon announced that uh, Tesla was moving its headquarters from Palo Alto to Austin. I mean, it's no surprise that the massive Austin uh, production uh, factory and battery facility are nearing completion. I mean, it is gigantic. It's millions and millions of square feet. Uh, there's already Tesla tech people in Austin. They'd been there for years. Um, and plus, uh, SpaceX has a gigantic uh, presence at Boca Chica, which they call Starbase City, which isn't far away from that either. Uh, it doesn't help. Uh, it, it hurts. I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's a little bit cheaper for him to be there as well for tax purposes, since he wouldn't have to pay income tax to California. Although not that I, you know, he doesn't take a salary. He only earns stock. Uh, so there's not a lot to tax unless he sells the stock. Uh, so I'm not surprised about this. But at the same time, this week, Tesla uh, leased a gigantic piece of HP's former facilities in Palo Alto. So they're expanding in Palo Alto just as they're moving HQ out. So there's still stuff going on, and it could be related to their full self-driving program. Uh, and speaking, and we're going more with Tesla here, they reported uh, deliveries, which are sales in their case, of 241,300 vehicles in the third quarter, which is exceeding uh, previous quarter by about 40,000 vehicles. Uh, the new Model S accounted for 4% of total production, although it looks like the refreshed Model X, which has been promised, is actually in production of Fremont. Uh, they've been seen piling up at the uh, delivery lot in Fremont. Um, the, uh, the, semi, the Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster have all been pushed into 2022 and 2023 for the Roadster uh, because they just simply don't have the batteries or places to build the things. Uh, that said, Tesla has ramped up uh, full-time hiring of factory workers for its battery factory in Fremont on Cato Road, which is simply known as Cato Road. Uh, Tesla's making all its its um, all new revolutionary 4680 cells, and 4680, just to demystify it, is the size. It's 46 millimeters by 80 millimeters. It's round, cylindrical cells. Uh, so this the, you know this is proof of manufacturing capability as well as perfecting the chemistry and expected performance for the new in-house battery production facilities uh, that will eventually be in both Berlin, uh, just outside of Berlin, uh, and Austin. Uh, things are going so well that Cato Road will supply the 4680 battery packs for Giga Austin when it starts production of the Model Y, which Tesla says is happening later this year, which is coming up soon. Uh, and of course, the Cybertruck when it goes on, you know, into production uh, late next year. And they already have over 2 million order orders for the Cybertruck. So it's not like they've got, you know, a shortage of uh, interest in that car. Uh, there's a new ride-hailing service uh, based in Nashville named Earth Rides. It operates in Austin, Texas, interestingly enough, and is soon expanding to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, it's a very healthy, health-conscious service, so its fleet is electric. The co-founder is named Raven Hernandez. Uh, she chose Austin for, for its first expansion market because Austin gets 46% of its electricity from renewable sources. It doesn't hurt that Tesla is moving its headquarters there and that all their cars that they own are Teslas. So um, what I like about them is that um, all of their drivers are employees uh, who get training and benefits uh, and their background checks and they get professional driving tests. 
Uh, it also permits the company to monitor uh, that they're driving safely through telematics. It makes it easier to ensure a diverse po- driver population, uh, which in the case of Earth rides skews majority female and racial minority. Uh, the vehicles are owned by Earthride. So I like again they, they they own a bunch of uh, Teslas and that's all they buy. And they're some of them are the older Teslas that get free supercharging, so that helps them their bottom line too. They've been asked uh, how much more the ride is, and supposedly it's about ten to fifteen percent more than Uber or Lyft in this in the same area. And that helps again, if ten or fifteen percent more uh, gets benefits, uh, you know, both as an employee, you know, and they get health benefits and everything else. I think that's uh, not too much to ask to pay to get that kind of a uh, service. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't uh, going to be expanding to Southern California soon, just because this is just, you know, Tesla City around here. Um, you know, you see them everywhere. So I'm impressed with what they're do- trying to do. I hope it works. It's a, like I said, it's a startup. It's not publicly traded yet, and it's called Earth Rides. You're listening to Todd Bianco. This is all wrapped up on iHub Radio, and we will be right back. Radio 111 is talking all things automotive on All Revved Up with Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I thought I'd go over the dead list. Dead list is always fun every year. Uh, These are the vehicles that are dead for 2022 uh, that we know aren't coming back. And of course, things are, uh, you know, added to the dead list quite often that uh, may not be on this list. But let's start with the... um, the Toyota Land Cruiser. Well, that's one. No, let's start with the Honda Clarity. Did anybody actually buy the Clarity? This is the. Um, it's sort of a, it was the electric Honda that had very poor range. They also made a plug-in hybrid version, and they made a hydrogen fuel cell version as well. Um, all of those are gone. Uh, mostly, those were just leased, and oftentimes only in California. For example, the fuel cell. Uh, Clarity was only leased in California because you can't get hydrogen anywhere. I mean, there's like a, you know, I think in the entire state, like a dozen fueling stations uh, for that. I see them around. I mean, I do see them, but they're very rare. uh, And I think they're going to be more rare because they're going to be dead. Uh, You know, it just, they didn't do, you know, like last year they moved 1,617 units. That's not very good. So, yeah, dead, not worth it. Uh, the Hyundai Veloster is going on the way of the Rhino as well. Uh, the Veloster is this, it was a cute little uh, three-door uh, Hyundai. Lots of fun, it's like a little hatchback, but nobody's buying these little hatchbacks anymore, which is kind of a shame. Now, you know, it's 
the same underpinnings as the Kona and the venue, but the Kona and the venue are SUVs, of course, and people will buy an SUV. They may not buy, you know, the Veloster, but they'll buy the SUV. Sad as that may be. So just, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. They only sold, they only sold 2,205 of them in the first six months of this year, whereas the Kona moved 50,996 units and the venue sold 50, 15,050 units, which, you know, outsold both, outsold both the Accent and the Ionic. So, you know, they're busy, you know, working on their electric cars and that's where they're going with this. Uh, the Mazda CX-3. Now, this is the baby SUV at Mazda. I always think it was too small. It just wasn't big enough. Uh, and for some reason, it just got ignored by the market. Uh, now, generally, you think, wow, if it has, you know, it's an SUV, it'll, it'll sell. But don't worry. Uh, I've got a news story about that because Mazda is bringing, you know, they may be cutting the CX-30 and the CX-3, but they've got four new ones coming. So don't worry. They'll have plenty of SUVs for you. Um, but yeah, it's kind of sad because, you know, it, it's up against the Honda HRV, the Kia Soul, the Fiat 500X. And the Chevy Trax, uh, but they just couldn't uh, couldn't compete against any of those, and so it's bye bye. Now, the Mazda Six is going in the way. Um, we, we I think it's probably going to come back eventually, maybe, but it was not you know really not able to compete with the Honda Accord, the Hyundai Sonata, um, you know the Kia what's it called now the Kia K5, uh, as in the family sedan segment. Uh, yeah, or, or, you know, or the Honda, you know, or the Toyota Camry. It's kind of hard to compete with those. Uh, they didn't really have a, a hybrid version of it. And it just, you know, it just was unimpressive when you looked at its total uh, horsepower and, in you know, uh, fuel economy and everything else. It just, you know, it, it, it was good, but you know, if you can get a, for the same price, you could get a, you know, an Accord or a Camry hybrid and get even better fuel economy. Those are the ones that are, that are selling. We've, I think it's probably going to come back. Uh, it's being made outside uh, this and it's going to be uh, rear drive for the first time. I hope we see it. Uh, let's see, Volvo is killing off a bunch of cars too. It's the ones that nobody buys, which are the wagons. Uh, so we've got, we're getting rid of the, what is it, the V60, uh, the V90. Uh, those are both going away. Uh, you know, you can buy various versions of those, like the XC90 and the XC60, but the, you know, just the pure wagon version of them are gone. Uh, the Toyota Land Cruiser is exiting as well. Uh, it's kind of sad, but... These are, you know, not very many, you know, Toyota didn't sell that many here in the United States. These were extremely expensive. They were like $90,000. So they're still around and they're going to be making them outside. They'll still be making them, but they're just not coming to the United States. And there's, um, there's a Lexus version of the Land Cruiser, but it's being replaced by something that's on the same platform as the new pickup trucks. So it's not going to be the Land Cruiser, but it's going to be named, I think, the LX600. And it's massive, gigantic grill. It's the biggest I've ever seen on a Lexus. It's coming around, but it's not going to be 
a rebadged Land Cruiser. It's going to be its own animal based on the uh, Tundra and um, Tacoma, the new platforms that they have for the trucks. So it's sad to see it go along with the Volkswagen Passat that nobody was buying. No more sedans. VW likes to sell SUVs. We have more news when we get back. This is Todd Bianco. You're listening to Radio 111. Up continues with Todd Bianco, your Radio 111 auto aficionado. Here's Todd. Welcome back. Check us out at Radio111.com. Listen to us from the TuneIn app that you can find uh, when you search for Radio 111 on TuneIn. Uh, in addition, you can call us here in the studio at 760-677-0111. Before the break, I was talking about cars that were dead. And uh, one of them is the uh, sort of teeny tiny Mazda CX-3. But don't worry, Mazda thinks it has, you know, more SUVs in your future. According to Mazda, it is um, expanding its offering with the announcement of the forthcoming CX-50, the CX-70, and the CX-90 for the U.S. market. Mazda will also introduce slightly narrow-bodied uh, CX-60 and CX-80 SUVs for outside North America, uh, such as Europe and Japan. Uh, the CX-50 will share its platform uh, with um, a longitudinally mounted turbocharged i6 engine, which is going to be the same as the one in the new Mazda 6 that we don't get. Uh, there will also be a plug-in gasoline-electric hybrid version. Uh, the new shared plant uh uh, the new shared plant, it's got a sh- Mazda has a new plant that it's sharing with Toyota that's been built in Huntsville, Alabama, and it will build the CX 50 there, supposedly debuting next month. We'll see it probably at the LA Auto Show uh, with the larger CX 70 and the CX 90 following later. And the CX 50 will join the CX 5 which is their most popular SUV right now in Mazda's compact SUV arena. And the new model will likely aim directly uh, challenging small SUVs of luxury brands, you know, like Lexus, um, with the uh, recently revised CX-5 maintaining its place in the mainstream compact SUV segment. Uh, The two-row CX-70, meanwhile, will likely do battle in the sort of mid-luxury, uh, mid-size SUV class, and the three-row CX-90 will likely replace the CX-9 in its entirety. Uh, and it'll be, the, you know, the three-row SUVs that will take on other three-row SUVs in the same market. 
Uh, Mercedes-Benz has finally uh, been had their 2022 EQS, which is their flagship sedan, a flagship electric sedan, uh, has been rated by the EPA. With the single motor rear drive EQS 450 plus receiving a 350 mile range rating, that is very good, uh, even though it does have a huge battery. Uh, the good news is that opting for the more powerful dual motor all-wheel drive EQS 580 only drops the range from 350 to 340. Uh, these rate, you know, ratings uh, put it in play with the Tesla Model S Long Range and the Lucid Air. The Tesla Model S Long Range offers an estimated 405 miles, and the Lucid Air is rated at a whopping 520 miles. Um, with the and you know. And with the lower trim, uh, lower rated trim is offered at 516 miles. So still, that's excellent for the Lucid Air. The Lucid Air Dream Edition starts at uh, whopping 169,000, while the EQS 580, which is the off-wheel drive version, starts at a mere 126,000, uh, which makes the Tesla Model S dual range uh, dual motor long range, which starts at 90,000. You have, you add uh, 10,000 for full self-driving, so $100,000 basically. And the Tesla Model S Plaid, which starts at 130,000. Seems like almost like a bargain when you look at the prices of these other things. However, I don't think that the EQS uh, and Lucid Air play in the same sandbox as the Tesla. The former are aiming at high luxury, while Tesla's much more minimalistic, minimalistic, and uh, you know they're tech featured and tech oriented. So we'll see where that, that all shakes out. You can't you can't buy the EQS QS yet. It's on sale very soon though, and uh, supposedly the uh, Lucid uh, Air Dream Edition is start has started production. So. I think they're hoping to deliver a few before year-end, but mostly they'll deliver. They'll start delivering uh, the few that they have on order, which is, I think, maybe 20,000 or 30,000 of them next year. Uh, let's see. During uh, Tesla's annual shareholder meeting, which they held at their Austin Gigafactory, uh, Elon confirmed that Tesla would make the Cyber Quad alongside the Cyber Truck. Uh, they showed the cyber uh, quad when they showed off the cyber truck a couple of years ago, but we've really basically heard nothing about it since. Uh, but it was really a very cool looking you know, electric quad that you know drove right into the bed of the cyber truck. It was a great it was a great show, and they're actually going to make it, he says. Um, Elon has a thing about dangerous, dangerous cars. He doesn't like them. And he says that, you know, while the quad seems dangerous, uh, inherently, he would say that the, they would make the least dangerous ATV. Here's his quote. I think we can do something with the suspension to make it uh, really hard to roll this thing. When uh, ATVs roll is when bad things happen. So it'll be the ATV that won't roll. You've got to have one with a Cybertruck. Of course you do. God only knows what it will cost. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ride-hailing services like Uber and Lyft uh, lead to higher levels of greenhouse gas emissions and traffic congestion than for driving your personal cars, according to a new study from researchers at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, the problem is that rideshare uh, drivers spend a lot of time what they call deadheading, which is driving alone without paying passengers on board. 
Uh, the 2019 report from Uber and Lyft found that deadheading accounted for roughly 40% of all miles across six U.S. cities. Uh, the deadhead mileage increased fuel consumption and greenhouse gas emissions by about 20% and increased social costs linked to the traffic congestion, crashes, uh, and other things by nearly, uh, and noise by 60%. Um, ride hail did lower emissions by limiting some cold starting of personal cars, but not enough to cancel out the emissions from the extra miles traveled. Uh, sharing trips would help, but the issue of deadhead miles is what motivated California to mandate more electric cars and ride hailing. To get there, it's going to push Uber and Lyft to incentivize uh, EVs, uh, EV drivers. As Ford rolls out new EVs, the automaker is reportedly sending charge angels to identify faulty infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, some public charging stations are older and don't meet Ford's standards for reliability, according to Ford's general manager of battery electric vehicles. While EV owners go to these points for a charge, a significant number don't get the charge they came for the first time. Uh, having to try multiple times to succeed to successfully charge an EV is far from ideal, which is where Ford's charge angels come in. These are Ford employees who will travel around the country in specially instrumented Mustang Mach-E electric SUVs to test public charging stations. Ford will reportedly use connected vehicle data and social media posts from disgruntled owners to locate troubled spots. <laughs> The article doesn't say just what Ford is going to do to fix these because these aren't Ford chargers. Uh, but, you know, I'm assuming what they're going to do is they're going to call the, the uh, owners of these various, uh, uh, whether it's Electrify America or ChargePoint or whoever it is, and have them see if they can fix them uh, or come out and, you know, do something to, to make them function better. Right now, it's nothing is as easy as a Tesla supercharger where all you do is you get out of your car and plug it in and that's the end of it. There's no, you know, you don't fuss with a credit card reader or anything else. It just pops up on your screen inside and Tesla will charge your account that, you know, they have on, on file for you, uh, whatever it costs for the electricity. And it will give you a running meter as to how much it's costing. Uh, General Motors got lucky. They announced that it has reached an agreement with LG Electronics, which is basically LG Chem, over manufacturing defects that have led to the recall of about 140,000 Chevy Bolt EVs. That's good news for GM, as the reimbursement of $1.9 billion of the $2.0 billion in charges associated with the recalls effectively covers most of the cost of the you know of the recall so gm would only be out of pocket say 100 million which is much better than 2 billion uh, i guess lg chem must have somehow decided that they would were going to have to eat it one way or another anyway and that's what that's what happened there uh, it's just a little shocking that they they readily accepted it uh, last week, Volvo's performance-affiliated Polestar announced that it was going public through a special purpose acquisition corp. This week, it's Volvo's turn. Uh, parent company Geely uh, will take Volvo cars public on Sweden's NASDAQ Stockholm Exchange, and the shares are expected to start trading before the end of 2021. Volvo wants about $3 billion from the deal. Ahead of the IPO, 
uh, Volvo confirmed its plans to buy out various Chinese joint ventures between itself and its parent company, Geely, which will give Volvo more ability to profit in the Chinese market, which is you know, very key when it comes to EVs. Uh, Volvo is shooting for a $30 billion valuation. Uh, Geely will continue to own controlling interests in both Polestar and Volvo and other Geely brands like Link and Company and will continue to collaborate and share platforms and share various technology between all the brands because they will essentially control them, but they will have access to the public markets uh, to raise funds when they need it. And I think that's the whole point of this is that they can uh, you know, go to the public and ask for more money when they need it. And they, everyone's doing this because that's what Tesla's done. And Tesla hasn't paid any sort of, you know, price for it. I mean, you know, that does, you know, the dilution of their shares hasn't done anything except, you know, push the price of the shares up. And I think everybody's looking at that saying, well, if they can do it, so can we. And at least Volvo is a real car company that delivers thousands and thousands and thousands of cars every year to actual customers. And same with Polestar. Can't say that for the other companies that have done this, though. Uh, but it is sort of like a you know round trip now for Volvo, which was owned by Ford, and then Ford destroyed it and sold it for nearly nothing to uh, Geely. Uh, I don't even remember what it was, whether it was a billion dollars or whatever. But this... Uh, you know, Geely poured a ton of money into Volvo to get it to where it is today, maybe like $5 billion. It was a lot of money. So I think that they're trying to recoup some of their investment, and I don't blame them. Um, my friends at Apple want to control more of the features of your car and is looking for ways to use CarPlay to control seating, environmental systems, and the radio itself. The initiative is reportedly called Iron Heat, and it appears to be attempting to unify remote control of car features uh, in CarPlay altogether within that you know, system. It's not clear how far along the effort is, nor if it will actually see the light of day. According to Bloomberg, the initiative could be used for seating positions, uh, surround sound adjustments, fans, defrosters, and inside temperature displays, as well as control, um, uh, as well as control the, uh, the the climate. Um, you know, Apple wants access to speedometer, fuel level tanks, and tachometers, etc. And I don't know if anybody's going to be willing to give it to Apple. You know, <laughs> do, 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 the, do the legacy automakers want to give up control of their, you know, basically of their cars to Apple? I don't know if they want to do it anymore. Uh, this is Todd Bianco. You're listening to Radio 111. And we'll be right back. From the Radio 111 showroom, Todd Bianco is talking automotive industry news and insight. All Revved Up continues. Here's Todd. Welcome back. 
Uh, periodically, Consumer Reports put out, puts out a list of best used cars for Uber and Lyft drivers. Uh, it, it doesn't change all that much because uh, most of the time it's either a Honda or a Toyota. Uh, and it's because of the, you know, good resale value Then you know, you're, you'll pay a little bit more, but you'll get a reliable car. Uh, but their best overall pick this year is not a surprise. It's been this way for, for years. It is a 2014-plus Toyota Prius. I think that was when they put in the new generation. Uh, Toyota is supposed to have a new Prius next year. I haven't seen or heard a lot about it. But there's a po- this one is getting a little long in the tooth because if it's been around since the 2014 model year, that's you know six years longer. Um, yeah, it's time for them to, to revamp it. But the current Prius, I know people who own this car and it is essentially bulletproof. This, you know, just, they have nothing wrong with it. It gets fabulous fuel economy. Uh, and they think it's comfortable enough for, you know, daily driving. Uh, the, the problem these days, of course, is that the prices of used cars are so high because new cars are, uh, you know, harder to get because supposedly of the chip shortages. Uh, they are, you know, the manufacturing uh, processes have had to shut down at many of the uh, manufacturers, both Japanese, Korean, uh, and U.S. manufacturers uh, have not been able to get the chips that they need. Uh, so sometimes it's hard to find a good, good, you know, a good used car. But uh, let's say a two, they have a 2018 uh, Prius here that they say uh, price ranges between, uh, you know, $20,000 and $24,000. But, you know, they get 53 miles per gallon. That's pretty damn good. Uh, best sedan they choose is a Toyota Camry. Again, a shock. It's a Toyota. So right now they say a 2015 Toyota Camry uh, can charges i mean you can find one from say fifteen thousand to eighteen thousand dollars uh and then there's the owner reported fuel economy of 28 miles per gallon and you might be able to find a camry hybrid that does better than that Uh, but you know supposedly it's going to be very reliable and owner satisfaction is pretty good for these cars uh best affordable car overall they have is the 2016 and up kia soul uh, people really like these little boxy cars, and they are, you know, let's see, uh, price ranges between about ten thousand four and eighteen thousand dollars, depending on the model, you know, and how new it is. Uh, reliability seems to be very good, and so is the owner satisfaction. Uh, I think, you know, I, I do see a lot of these running around uh, here uh, in Los Angeles and in the Valley uh, that are uh, Lyft or Uber drivers. Uh, and I think that, you know, with, there's enough backseat room when you push the, you know, the passenger seat forward in the front uh, that there's enough room for that. Um, best for the bad weather. Now, again, we don't have this in Southern California, but if you're driving in other parts of the country where it's snowing and raining all the time and it's just, you know, weather sucks, uh, then maybe something like a Honda CRV. A uh, Honda CRV from 2016, they say, will uh, cost you between um, uh, 17800 and about 24000 Owner reported fuel economy is about 27 miles per gallon. Uh, of course, they're, they're talking about the all-wheel drive version of this car because you're probably going to need it if you're driving in bad weather all the time. 
Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a little higher up, so you'll get to see the road better and a little more sure-footed for riding around. Uh, then as far as best for Uber XL and Lyft Plus, uh, I do see these are around too. Uh, and these would be the Honda Odyssey minivan. And they have a 2015 or 2014 and above Honda Odyssey. And for example, they use a 2015 Honda Odyssey, uh, which can range between $15,000 and $20,000. Now, I think you'd be lucky to find one that cheap because these are pretty popular on the used market. Um but, uh, you know, owner-reported fuel economy is about 22 miles per gallon, which, again, isn't bad. Uh, so, I, you know, not bad for, you know, something that big and, it, you know, can fit a lot of people. And then best for Uber Select and Lyft Premier, they list the 2015 Lexus ES and above. A Lexus ES is basically a, a Toyota Avalon, and you could probably look for one of those as well, but it's not as luxurious as the Lexus, so they list the Lexus. Um, there's a hybrid version of that as well. They do not list it, but you can find a Lexus uh, hybrid like that, and anywhere from, say, 20000 to twenty, you know, twenty-three or $24,000, and report a fuel economy of about 25 miles per gallon. Okay. When we get back, it's going to be our Bring a Trailer Hour. I'll be with John McMullen. We've got some terrific things, terrific cards to talk about, looking at the uh, um, uh, the, uh, the uh, auctions we did from a couple of weeks ago. And then I've got some great stickers to look at at the end of the, uh, the, end of that hour. This is Todd Bianco. You're listening to Radio 111, and we will be right back. the discussion from zero to 100 in seconds radio 111 presents southern california's talk about cars and trucks it's all revved up with todd bianco welcome 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 i'm here with john mcmullen hello john hi todd and that's our bring a trailer hour which is always the fun we have talking about these various auctions of these old cars and uh, where the trends are going uh, I was not able to be here last week because of the fun I was having with post-surgery stuff, you know. Well, we're glad uh, that you're feeling much better and you're back this week. I am. And so so let's uh, briefly go over what we had from uh, two weeks ago then. Uh, you had this amazing uh, 2021 Mercedes-Benz G800 Barabbas, which was this gigantic, you know, the, the, you know, that square off Mercedes tank-like thing. Right. It sold for four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Are you kidding me? Which is which is I think more than it was you know they had into it. So that's pretty good, and it was used as a you know like a show car for uh, I think Barabbas. <laughs> I guess. So they did okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was this uh, very nice uh, Porsche nine fourteen. 
1973, and it sold for only $12,000. I thought it was a very, very nice example and a pretty reasonable price. Somebody got a nice ride for that. Yeah. Uh, then let's see, you had a barge, which was a 1978 Lincoln Continental. <laughs> and it, it's, it was a barge, all right. But it was in, it was in amazing condition. I mean, it had very you know, very low miles on it. Uh, it sold for $12,000. Again, that's the perfect barge. You're going to see it out in, in, in uh, Palm Springs, probably. Right. <laughs> and then you had a uh, the tin plate, these little... A tin plate cars that were uh, little toy cars from right. Japan. I was blown um, away by how much money these things went for. There were maybe, what, five of them, I think? I think and there they, were five or six. Yeah. yeah, and they sold for $3,500. Unbelievable. <laughs> and these were um, roughly about 7 to 12-inch long car um, cars that were made out of tin. They were made in Japan. Yeah. And, uh they were you know, concept cars from the late 50s and early right. 60s, like, you know, like the Batmobile type of thing. And they were very, very cool. But they were a little rough. I mean, they were not in perfect condition. No. But someone must have wanted them for a collection and they sold for, well, actually it's thirty four ninety nine, but that's close to $3,500. That's a, uh, you know, clearly they were unique unique buy yes. and so I've never, somebody I've never paid seen the price for like it before i mean i knew they existed yeah. but i thought they'd all rotted away and you know disappeared <laughs> right uh, let's see uh, i had chosen a 1973 uh, chevrolet chevelle malibu uh that sold for twenty one thousand dollars a good pretty good price <clears throat> then there was a 1968 mercury cougar gte four speed never seen one before i don't think i'm going to see another one of them it was bid to $165,000, and it did not sell. Wow. We'll probably see that one again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, was, I guess they were hoping for more. Uh, then there was this really lovely uh, 1967 Fiat Dino. Beautiful, beautiful car. Uh, in pretty nice condition, too. It sold for 102500 which is pretty good for a Fiat. I would say <laughs> And then I had a uh, 1990 Nissan 300ZX, uh, and it sold for only 15005 but I think it wasn't automatic. That's why it didn't sell for as high. And then I had a 2006 uh, Land Rover, Range Rover uh, Sport. It was a supercharged one. It was beautifully done. It was in yeah, very nice condition. It sold for 37250 So I think that's a pretty good, good price, both seller and buyer, for that particular yep. Car. Now, for this week, for this week, let's start with what I thought was a Subaru when I first saw it. You know, which is, you know, to be honest with you, when I saw the RS, uh, Audi RS4. When I saw the smaller thumbnail picture of this, I thought exactly the same thing. I thought it was part of that WRX. Yes, exactly. Series. I I had a WRX almost identically that the color, com- but it, it had gold wheels. Those are a little. These are a little. They're more like more, copper. Yeah, orangish yeah, gold. Or, I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> and so and then yeah. I noticed that this was an Audi, and I thought the price, first of all, on the Audi, and I don't think it had. It only had fifty-seven thousand miles, and I was like, wow, <coughs> that seems like a still like a pretty good deal. Yeah, the, these are fairly rare too. They they just you know they had the a lot. You used to see there were plenty of uh, Audi 
S4s, but not RS4s. That's their super fast version. So it says this 2008 Audi RS4 is finished in sprint blue over black leather and is powered by a 4.2 liter V8 with a six-speed manual transmission and quattro all-wheel drive system. Additional equipment includes the titanium package, xenon headlights with the washers, fog lamps, heated seats, dual-zone automatic climb control, piano black interior trim, navigation, which is very dated at this point, um, blue uh, rear sunshades, and a Bose surround sound system. Uh, then there's a bunch of modifications, uh, GAH Motorsports catless uh, downpipes, a GAH Motorsports exhaust system, uh, Grio disc uh, slotted brake rotors, H&R front and rear, anti-sway bars, blah, 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 you know, street performance, this and that. Somebody spent a fortune of aftermarket parts in this car. Yeah, and, and as a brand new car, only, I mean, it was $75,000, and... Yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't have afforded the gasoline on this thing. I mean, because it only gets like thirteen around the city when it was brand new. Right. I mean, it was a. It was, you know, this was this was a big V8 for yeah. a small car, basically, because yeah. this was you know the Audi A4 is their smallest you know entry level car at the point at that right. point. So yeah, it was very expensive, and if you look at the sticker price, it was, you know. As you said, it was you know an astronomical seventy five thousand two hundred and eighty five dollars. So the premium package alone was four thousand dollars. Titanium package seven fifty, and I think they threw away everything on the titanium package and replaced it. And, and it did have a gas guzzler tax, John, two thousand one hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. So it it was certainly there to guzzle gas. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so right now uh, it closes in two days, and the current bid is twenty-seven thousand. Uh, it does obviously it does have a reserve, so it's not a no reserve uh, auction. But I think somebody is hoping they're going to get their money back. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. There's two <laughs> yeah. days left. We've seen yeah. stranger things like yes. toy cars going from eight hundred to thirty-five hundred mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. much overnight. Now, the next one, you've picked things like this before, but let's talk about, this one's a little bit different. This is a 25,000-mile 2012 Bentley Continental GTC, which is the Continental GC, the C part is the convertible, with the W12 engine, no less. (laughs) Now, the W12 engine is two V6s, narrow-angle Volkswagen V6s mated together to look like a W, not a V. Hmm. So instead of a V12, it's a it's like it's like two V's put together, but the, you know it forms like a W. Yeah. So uh, that but that was certainly the most powerful engine they had at the time, uh, and this uh, and it believe me if you want to suck gas, this one's this one will do it for you. I don't think this had a sticker on it. I don't remember if it did to show us what the fuel economy was, but it had to really suck. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there's no sticker. No. Uh, says this uh, 2000, where is it? It's in Chesterfield, Missouri. Mm. Uh, this 2012 Bentley Continental GTC is powered by a twin turbocharged 6 liter W12 paired with a six speed automatic transmission and is finished in uh, crystal black, 
metallic over linen and dark bourbon leather upholstery. Uh, equipment includes a power-operated black soft top, 21-inch two-piece wheels, uh, xenon headlights, parking sensors heated and cooled, and massaging seats, uh, neck warmers, and a touchscreen infotainment system with navigation. The car was first registered in California, which makes about makes sense. It looks like it would have been. And later spent time in Florida. Again, it looks like that. And then the selling dealer acquired it in August of 2021. And it has a Florida title still, even though the dealer is in Missouri. Uh, the interior is gorgeous. It is. I mean, the, co- the coach work is absolutely stunning on this car. Um, uh, you know, it, and this was expensive. This was at least 250 grand. Yeah. I had a friend uh, who had who had one like this mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was something else. Yeah. He, he uh, asked me if I wanted to drive it and I <laughs> said, absolutely not. In fact, he wanted me to drive him to work one day in it, Dr. <laughs> Klein. And, uh, he had bought it actually from his, uh, patient, uh, who actually is suing a former Congresswoman from here now, uh, Sure. Oh, I know who that is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, but it was a a gorgeous vehicle, and there was no way I'm going to be responsible for, you know, even driving it and possibly taking a pebble in the windshield or something while it's yeah, under my I mean, control. They're, they're so expensive. To <laughs> they fix. are. Anything is expensive to fix yeah. on this car, uh, but it's it's a beauty. Right now, the bidding's only at fifty five thousand dollars. Uh, again, it's, 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 it's a deal if somebody wants it, but I mean, you know, it ends in two days. I can see it going back to California or Florida though. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but it is, I do like it very much. It's very pretty. It is. And now the next one you picked is something that we've seen before. They come up regularly, but some are better than others. This is a 1971 Chevrolet Chevelle Malibu convertible. Yep, this and is my uh, Palm red. Springs. It's, it's, this is my Palm Springs uh, parade car. That's right. It's a convertible. It's a, a nice black top. It's red, very red. Although it looks like it's probably a repaint. My guess this is my guess. Uh, see what they say about it. Let's see, Malibu. Two. Let's see, you know, sunflower yellow. That I guess it was originally sunflower yellow with black roof, and now it is red, red, red. Uh, let's see what it says about it here. Uh, this 1971 Chevelle, Chevelle Malibu convertible was reportedly uh, reportedly rena- remained with its previous owner for 28 years and was acquired by the selling dealer in early 2021. Finished in red with black stripes over a black interior, the car is powered by a replacement 454 cubic inch V8 paired with a three-speed uh, automatic transmission. And it's the horseshoe type. I always like uh, the, the transmission on the floor. It looks like a horseshoe. Yeah. Um, and uh, pause attraction differential. Uh, additional features include power-operated black soft top, uh, push-button radio. Ooh, push-button radio. I remember those. Uh, driver's <laughs> side view. <laughs> driver's side view mirror. SS badging. A cowl induction hood uh, with pins and a 15-inch Super Sport style wheels. The Chevelle is being offered uh, by the selling dealer in Canada with Ontario registration. But I don't think this was originally an SS. I think it was made into one. Hmm. Uh, a finish of sunflower yellow. The car received a repaint in current shade of red with black 
over the top uh, stripes sometime during previous ownership. Exterior features include, and they talk about this with SS badging. So it was it didn't start life as an SS, uh, but they put in an SS engine and uh, put SS wheels on it. It's a sharp looking car. It is, it's $22,500 right now. It ends in two days. And I'll be very curious to see where this ends up because it's, it's your favorite parade car. Um, you're, you're listening to Todd Bianco. This is Radio 111. Listen to us at Radio111.com. I'm here with John McMullen, and we're talking Bring It Together. We'll be right back. Up continues with Todd Bianco, your Radio 111 auto aficionado. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMillan. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. And we're talking our Bring a Trailer picks this hour. Uh, the next one, you've picked similar things to this before. And this, I, I always like this one because I don't know if they ever sell for what people want for them. Uh, this is a 1967 Volkswagen. Type 2, which is the bus, 21-window sunroof deluxe. I remember the first time I saw one of these actually was uh, you had made a selection of one of them. And that was the first time I really ever learned about these. So we don't see these that often come through Bring a Trailer, but once in a while. And mm -hmm. I'm not a huge VW bus fan, um, but seeing all the windows and the way that they open and, and the, you know, the skylights basically to this uh, vehicle, uh, I do think that it's classic. And I think even at the price that it's currently going for, there's three days left. It's running right now at $67,000 that somebody who gets their hands on this, if they hold on to it and keep it in good shape, they're going to have a car that will again, probably resell for quite a bit of money. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I always like this one because it has the ejector windows in front. You know, you just push someone out the front window and the window opens up <laughs> and you right. just push them out. Uh, <clears throat> it's got a lot of windows. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It says this 1967 Volkswagen Type 2 is a 21-window sunroof deluxe model that was built in July 10th. Uh, 1967 delivered new to Oldenburg, Germany, and was acquired by the current owner approximately three years ago. A bare metal repaint in the factory shade of sea blue and a cumulus white upper section was performed in 2014. Um, while work carried out by Graham Engineering and Motorsport of Ashbury, New Jersey between 2018 and 21, 2021, include, including reupholstering the interior and blue and white vinyl replacement of various exterior components and overhauls of the suspension and brakes. Power comes from a very powerful 1500cc air-cooled flat four paired with a four-speed manual transaxle and additional features including a split uh, sunroof, I mean, a sliding 
sunroof, a removable fold-out awning, a push-button radio, dual sliding cargo doors, and a, and a replacement safari and replacement safari windows. Uh, service in 2021 included the rebuild of the steering box and carburetor, as well as the uh, fluid exchanges, uh, fluid fluid changes, and replacement of the front rods. Uh, the split windows bus is offered on consignment by the selling dealer in Lebanon, New Jersey, and it's with a something in the, the Auto Museum in Germany somewhere. Yeah, the um, Stiftung Auto Museum Volkswagen. Uh, which is in Germany, and they have the certificate to go with mm. it, <laughs> and a fake Montana title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, we got. A, I, I love this because it says that it has an eighty mile per hour speedometer. That was optimistic at the time. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> optimistic. I could see me. being behind this thing going up a hill. And it's lucky if it was doing 35. <laughs> yes, like I said, very optimistic at 80. <laughs> okay, and then the last one you picked here is your uh, is a is a as a 1994 Dodge Viper RT uh, with a V10 engine in it. This one had and, kind of an interesting backstory in terms of its ownership, though, too. Yeah. Uh, let's see what it says. It says this 1994 Dodge Viper RT10 is finished in dandelion yellow yep. over gray leather and was previously owned by former Chrysler Vice President of Vehicle Engineering, Francois J. Castagne. Castagne? Castagne. Castagne. Before being acquired by the current owner in 2019, power is provided by an 8-liter V10 paired with a 6-speed uh, manual transmission and a limited slip differential. Uh, features include auto f- auto form removable hardtop, uh, chrome finished 17 inch tri spoke wheels, air conditioning, uh, and a factory cassette stereo. Ooh, it's uh, let's see, it's in Pennsylvania with the owner. It's a Montana title again. What a shock, John! In the name of the owner's LLC. Of course. Of course. Well, there's a uh, lot of there's a lot of very wealthy people who have second homes and lodges and such up in Montana. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And and they don't charge it. There's no sales tax there and they don't charge anything for registration. Definite tax advantages, yes. <laughs> there are. Uh, let's see. It's at 36000 and there's three days left in this. That seems okay. to me like a really good price for a car that only has 25,000 miles on it. Yeah. I, it's it, in pretty pristine <clears throat> shape. It, it is. It's pristine, but I don't know if it's ever going to sell for as much as a Corvette, but it's got a gigantic engine. Basically, it's all engine. It's got a gigantic V10 engine in it, and it will go forever. So, And the um, former Chrysler VP of Vehicle Engineering who owned it uh, has also autographed the glove box in, uh, in you know, Yes, in the car. So It's, it's not quite Carroll Shelby's in no. autograph, but it's, it's something. Yeah, I mean, it, they, it, the authenticity of that, you know, gives it a little extra oomph to the buy. Right, it, it lends to the provenance on it. And, yeah. and, you know, it certainly is a color that is very popular among sports car people because it's just, it sticks out like a bumblebee. Yeah, I was reading some of the notes about him as well. Uh, yeah. From some of the, the people. All the comments. The comments, yeah. Yeah. People on Bring a Trailer know everybody and everything. I mean, they'll go on and on about these things. So, yeah, it's always always good to read the comments there. Uh, this is Todd Bianco with John McMullen. You're listening to uh, Radio 111. Uh, we're talking Bring a Trailer, and we will be right back.
Radio 111 is talking all things automotive on All Revved Up with Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hi, Todd. Our number, if you want to call us, is 760-677-0111. And you can always listen to us at Radio111.com. Now, John, I have a few picks, and I'll start with a very pedestrian one. I always keep picking these because they're rare. But, you know, if if this were a two-door Cressida, which is called a Toyota Supra, it would be selling for like 10 times what it sells for. And because it's exactly what it is, a a Cressida and a Supra are the same car, same engine. They are. Yeah, they're identical, Uh, except one is just a four-door plush sedan, and the other one is a sports car. Yeah, I was going to say this one's definitely not no. sporty. No, but, you know, it's got all the luxury that Toyota could pack into one thing, and, and you know, in any car. Uh, it uh, Let's see what it says. It's 1984 Toyota Cressida. So this uh, was basically Lexus before Lexus? That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, it was there. It was their top of the line. It would have been considered a, what would it be today? A, probably a, an Avalon is probably what it would have been. But it was before Lexus was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Toyota Cressida was finished in super wide over brown cloth upholstery and is powered by a 2.8 liter inline six. Made it, It's a rear drive car made it to a four speed automatic transmission with overdrive. Equipment includes air conditioning, cruise control, automatic climbing control, sunroof, 14-inch wheels, power windows, Panasonic CD stereo, uh, electronic controlled uh, transmission system, three different shift modes. Uh, the car spent time in New Mexico prior to the current ownership's acquisition and relocation to Oklahoma in 2020, and now shows 126,000 miles, although it wears it fairly well. I mean, you know, it looks pretty good for 126,000. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the bidding's only at 2907 and it closes in less than a day. So I don't think it's going to go for much. But I think it's a – I've always liked these just because, you know, it's like it's the stealth Supra. Yeah. All right. So we'll, I, won't, I won't go for much. Now, the next one I picked because I didn't know they existed anymore. <laughs> it's a 1986 Volkswagen Quantum Synchro Wagon. Okay, now this is – Okay, Quantum is unicorn. Synchro, which is all-wheel drive, double unicorn. Wagon, <laughs> triple unicorn. Five-speed and not automatic, four unicorns. The so, only thing I want in this car is the is the wheels, maybe. <laughs> well, it has the BBS wheels, doesn't it? I mean, these, these were the thing back then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this 1986 Volkswagen Quantum Synchro Wagon spent time in California before it relocated tonight in 1994 to Oregon, where its current owner acquired it in late 2017. The car is finished in tornado, tornado red over gray cloth upholstery powered by a 2.2 liter inline five. That's an Audi engine. Uh, made it with a five-speed manual transaxle, all-wheel drive, and locking center and rear differentials. Equipment includes a sunroof, roof rails, and power windows with modifications including Magnaflow muffler, 15-inch uh, H4, uh, I mean, four, 15-inch wheels. I think they're BBS wheels. They look like it. They're BBS. Uh, H4 headlights, and which I guess someone thought that was good to put in it, and yes. a Bluetooth adaptable Alpine stereo with a bazooka subwoofer (laughs) it's basically it is a 
well, it doesn't surprise me that it's in Oregon. It's basically a sporty uh, lesbian mom mobile. It is. It's in amazing condition. I got to give it that. For I mean, first of all, these usually just rusted away and died. Yeah. I mean, you haven't seen. I guarantee you haven't seen a Volkswagen Quantum on the road in decades. Uh, and so the fact that this thing with you know it has 168,000 miles. That's a miracle that it still exists, that it hasn't rusted away. It's just, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing that it still exists. It's not going to go for a lot. I mean, it's selling for, our current bid is $5,900 and it ends in a, in, in a day as well. The but I had, to, I had to put it there just to, just to see. Yeah, the interior looks <laughs> like it's in pretty decent shape. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for for that kind of mileage, for that age, eighty six. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty. It's pretty good. Someone someone had them covered. That's probably had the seats covered. And the next one I picked was another uh, sort of a, a Toyota, but it's a it's a nineteen eighty five Toyota pickup extra cab five speed. Now this is already selling for more than the 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 the, uh, the, the, the Volkswagen Quantum or the or the or the Cressida. It's uh, 1985 Toyota pickup truck uh, with the extra cab example is finished in tan over a tan interior and it's powered by a 2.4 liter inline four paired with a five speed uh, manual transmission. Equipment includes air conditioning, a sliding rear window, chrome uh, step bumper, uh, and a spray in uh, bed liner. It has a Kenwood CD stereo and 14 inch wheels. Uh, it has a hundred uh, has ninety five thousand miles on it. It's in Pacifica, California, and you know it's got it's all, so it's an all California car, and the plates are actual. That's vintage California plates for that particular car. So it's been here the entire time. Yeah, and it's already selling for let's say eighty five, uh, eighty five, eighty five. People are just it's a play on you know 1985 so the current bid is 8585 it ends in three days i guarantee you it sells for more than the other two cars combined (laughs) it's just because it's rare it's a pickup truck people like this size pickup truck i hate the color though oh the color's hideous yeah you'd have to repaint it (laughs) it's a it's a very 80s color the other thing i liked about it is that if you look at the the seats it's one bench seat Oh, it is oh, all yeah. the way across. I, I yeah, if you take that. a look at it, it's yeah. one seat. Yeah, there's a little, there's a little notch. There's a notch in the center, in the center, and there's a there's a center armrest, but it's all one piece, so that when the driver moves it up, it's up, and the driver moves it back, it's back. Yeah. At least it has air conditioning. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's it's upholstered ugly too. Ah, oh, come on! It goes with the it goes with the rest of the car. I guess it's actually in pretty good shape considering. It, it, it I mean, is, you know, it's yeah, not I threadbare or anything. I would not yeah. knock that. It looks like they've kept it in pretty good shape. Yeah, and <clears throat> now th- this is the uh, the next one I picked is a 1995 Lexus LS 400. Now this would be the the in the latest incarnation of what the Cressida would have been or what it became. Right. And so this is a. Uh, 1995 Lexus LS 400 with 26,000 miles on it. That's pretty low, you know, for a car of this vintage. Yeah, that's that's pretty low. Um, let's see what it says here. And, it, and it's it's a very inoffensive color. It's in white with sort of a gray leather interior. 
1995 Lexus LS400 is said to have uh, maintained residence with its first owner in Washington State until July of 2021. So basically somebody died, right? And it was acquired by the seller. Yeah, it's now down in Longmont, Colorado, where I have yeah. a friend who lives there, well, who's from Washington State. It's got a clean Colorado title. I guess it's in it's in Longmont. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but my guess is somebody died, and that's how it got purchased. I mean, you know, that's just a guess. The car is finished in white over gray leather upholstery and is powered by a four-liter V8 paired with a four-speed automatic uh, transmission. Features include a power sunroof, chrome-clad wheels, uh, power tilt and telescoping steering wheel, dual-zone automatic climate control, traction control, and a Lexus Nakamichi that was considered really high-end then, premium audio system with a cassette player and a six-disc six CD changer. Ooh. So it had both ways you could do it. Yeah. Uh, it has 26,000 miles is offered at no reserve uh, with manufacturer's literature or window sticker. And now I printed the window sticker just so I could look at it. You know, I was going to do it in the window sticker section uh, in the, in our, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the show, but I just wanted to go over some of the things. It was $1,900 for the traction control with heated seats. That's standard on every car now. Yeah. Chrome wheels with all season tires, eleven hundred dollars. The Lexus Nakamichi premium audio system was eleven hundred. Uh the in dash Lexus six 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 C D auto changer, a thousand. Electronic air suspension, seventeen hundred. Memory seats, seven fifty, and tilt and telescope uh steering wheel and I mean a tilt slide moonroof with sunshade was eleven hundred dollars wow and what yeah. was the total ticket price on that at the uh, time sixty thousand four hundred and fifty three dollars and it's currently but going... it started life at fifty one thousand so it was nearly ten thousand dollars in options which was a little unusual back then because usually these were you know pretty well optioned as they stood and that's you know, what they, the current they, they were, bid is you know very good cars. This is this would be an excellent car to 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 have for a you know a kid or something like that to you know because it's boring as hell but it's probably very safe um, and it's probably very very reliable. Yeah, ten thousand two fifty one currently. Yeah, I mean it's in excellent condition. Like I said, there's nothing exciting to look about it. I mean you know it just is what it is, but. Uh, this would be a really good car to have. Again, it's like it's like the Cressida, if you know the, the latest one. These are very, very good cars. Yep. Rear drive, V8, the whole thing. Now, the last one I picked was something that I've never seen before, and this is a 1934 BMW 319 Sports Cabriolet. No reserve, I might add. Uh, 19, it's 1934 BMW 319 is a 2C Cabriolet that wears modified front body work and is powered by a triple carbureted 2-liter Bristol overhead cam inline 6. The car was delivered new in Germany in July 4, 1936 to a Nuremberg dealer, <laughs> Jacobi, before being imported to the U.S., where it changed hands three times in a disassembled state. And if you look at some of the pictures, it would look like some rotted carcass. Yeah. <laughs> it was acquired in 1990 by its current owner, a California collector who commissioned a two-year refurbishment cost a fortune it had to uh, to participate in various rallies and shows. And it's got like a, an entire... You know, list of all these various 
awards and things that it's won. I mean, it's it's somebody like I said they spent a fortune on this car. It looked like one just big rust bucket that they could have just you know crushed and no one would ever know what this is. So someone has acquired this, but it's you know all these various awards that they list here. And so somebody really this was their labor of love. I mean, they've had it for thirty odd years. Right. No, somebody died. <laughs> Yeah, the car di- itself died. It, it had a second life. Yeah, the car itself had a second life. That's for sure. But I think it's, it's very special. I've never seen one like it before, and I think it's kind of rakish. I mean, it's got the, you know, it's got that gigantic BMW grill in the front that you just don't expect to see, and, right. um, you know, it's got the windshield wipers at the top of the windshield. It's just, you know, it's got a banjo uh, steering wheel, which. You know, that's that's usually a Porsche thing that you see. But this is before BMW was really much of a BMW. You know, this is pre-war. You know, yeah. the BMW that we that you and I know is mostly post-war incarnation. This is pre-war. So, yeah, it's interesting to see. I'm impressed with it. I, but it, right now it's at 28,500 it ends in four days. I do expect it to go up by the end of this and at least go to a museum. Some interesting uh, picks this week. Yeah. So when we get back, I'm going to go over some uh, stickers, uh, car stickers, window stickers that I found that I think will be interesting. This is Todd Bianco. You're listening to Radio 111, and we'll be right back. Radio 111 showroom. Todd Bianco is talking automotive industry news and insight. All revved up continues. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen, and we were talking uh, bring a trailer picks uh, for this week uh, for the previous 50 minutes. And now I've got 10 minutes worth of fun to have. And let's start with a 1963 Studebaker wagon. It is blue and with a blue-white trim interior. And it's from Frank H. Afton and Company, Inc., which sells Lark, Cruiser, Hawk, and Mercedes from Inglewood, California. The um, uh, the Studebaker, it's a wagon, starts at $3,020. Now, here are the great accessories. It has overdrive transmission, and that's, uh, what is that? That's $110. And 40 cents radio push button $64 and 47 cents um let's see uh what's that one uh seats individually uh recline front is the $47 and 43 cents a hideaway seat in back uh, rear is $123.74. Uh, seat belts, John, are $58.50. Uh, a rear window electric, that's for a wagon, is $32.56. Electric windshield wipers are $13.55. I'm trying to think of what the alternative was. <laughs> uh, 
If they're not electric, what are they then? Uh, tinted windshield is $9.36. And cranked? <laughs> windshield wipers? I, I don't know. Uh, undercoat, $23.50. Uh, Heavy-duty springs in the rear is $5.38. Um, something... Uh, Clippers? I can't read what it says here. It's $6.73. Luggage rack was $32. Disc brakes, $97.95. And tailgate step uh, was uh, $7.40. The total uh, accessories were $712.49. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Uh, sales, so the car was $37.32. 49. Was there ever an era where a car was made without windshield wipers? I, I, but if they're not electric, what would they be? Hydraulic? I don't know. I'm not quite sure what yeah, the, I don't know what the option is here. I mean, I thought they were always electric motors, but you know, who knows? Uh, sales tax is $149 and 30 cents. Uh, DMV still got 58 bucks. That's a lot back then. And, uh, bargains never end, huh? So thirty-seven dollars, thirty-seven hundred. What is it now? Total cost was thirty-nine, thirty, thirty-nine, thirty-nine, seventy-nine. So almost four thousand dollars, with tax and and uh, and license there. Now, uh, this is a Lexus LFA. These were only they only made a few hundred of these, uh, and this was one that I think I had on auction. I don't know, maybe a few months ago. Uh, the base sticker price is only three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Polished wheels twenty-five hundred. Uh, seat front saddle tan twenty-five hundred. Seat back saddle tan twenty-five hundred dollars. Uh, let's see, stitching in saddle tan one thousand uh, dollars. The metallic uh, trim in brownish black has no charge. Uh, saddle tan steering grip, $1,500. Red calipers, no charge. And saddle tan door trim and dash center console, $2,500. And starlight black exterior color, $3,000. Okay, I, I hate to take us backwards on this, but I just want to let you know that windshield wipers were invented in 1903. But yeah. it wasn't until 1917 that they became electric. Apparently, wipers took a big leap forward in 1917, and previously the vehicle feature had to be hand-operated, requiring <laughs> a driver to manage steering, shifting, and controlling the car all at the same time. It sounds challenging, doesn't it? Well, hence the need for automated uh, electrical system to make windshield wipers more practical. You know, I think what wasn't written down there is that it's not that it was electric wipers. It was probably two-speed electric wipe, you know, like probably. fast and slow. They didn't write that down. They just put down electric wipers because I just say, I don't know what else they'd be. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're motors, right? I, well, you know, I didn't. Yeah. And so right. and it had been motors for quite a while, yep. even by 1963 standards. Oh, yeah. It, uh, 1917 yeah. forward, they were electrical. Yeah, so this uh, l lovely little Lexus LFA from 2012. Uh, let's see, a gas guzzler tax, John, of $3,700. Delivery processing and handling fee of $2,400 for a total of $396,600.
and it gets um, 11 miles per gallon in the city and 16 on the highway. <laughs> Gotta love that. Gotta love that. All right. Well, I really appreciate you spending time with me doing Bring a Trailer. I would look forward to next week and going over how all the auctions went. Uh, yes. Uh, do us a favor. <laughs> stay out of the hospital. And I will we'll see you next Saturday. You're listening to Radio 111. This is Todd Bianca, and we'll see you next week.